And um, maybe you're facing what seems like an impossible situation in your life. Circumstances that are just um, overwhelming and you wonder how it's all going to work out. There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 10. It's a story about Hannah. And it's an amazing, uh, the whole thing is not going to be on the screen. But if you've got your Bible, you can turn in 1 Samuel chapter 10. And um, Hannah faced a insurmounting difficulty and problem in her life and was somewhat of a taint on her uh, ability as a woman and uh, her own reputation. And uh, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, we, we see the story. And there was a certain man... His name was Elkanah, and he had actually two wives. Now, don't take that to heart, men. Um, But um, one of his wives bore children, and the other wasn't able to. And so Hannah was living a life of being harassed and oppressed and um, a lot of perhaps snide remarks or however, on the fact that she didn't have any children and Elkanah's other wife did. And so she found herself in this desperate, desperate situation. And notice what she says in verse 10. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Father, as we look into your word today, I pray that In our lives, as we face circumstances and situations, we will see that, Lord, you have not abandoned any of us, and yet there's some things that we can learn in the midst of our desperation, in the midst of these moments and times when we wonder and question and face all these emotions and thoughts that go through our own minds. Help us to be encouraged today and to learn some truths that we can act upon. And I ask Holy Spirit that you would speak afresh into my heart and life and into each person here and that we indeed hear what the Spirit would say to us this morning and be one of a doer of that word and not just a hearer only. I ask and pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's something about prayers being heard and prayers being answered and I really believe that there's something about our prayer life that we have to understand that begins, as we can see, in what Hannah as well experienced in her life. When some people get desperate, they despair and they give up. Others get desperate and they get angry and they get bitter towards God and towards other people. There's something that Hannah did that we can learn from her. The first thing that she did She surrendered her life. It was like an all-out surrender to God. Hannah, in her desperation, in verse 11 it says, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Now, this is an 
an amazing story, amazing account of a woman's response, correct response, you might say, to a desperate situation in her life. Now, once the child was weaned, she brought him to the house of the Lord, and she gives him to Eli the priest. So she gives up her son, Samuel, that great prophet and judge of Israel. Now, Hannah, in her prayer, understands she fully surrendered and submitted her will to God's will. Now, what do I mean by that? Some think that prayer is just about getting what you want. Let's see what prayer is really all about. Remember the story when the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, and they said, would you teach us to pray? So Jesus gives them this little primer on prayer, and he said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now notice something about this prayer. First, it begins with God's glory. Hallowed be thy name. The second thing that Jesus taught us was God's kingdom and God's will is to be the supreme desire of our praying, not our will, but your will be done. So here we have two filters for guaranteed answers to prayer. If you ask anything in my name, Jesus says, I will do it. It must have God's stamp of approval on it. It has to be for his glory, his will, advancing his kingdom. It isn't about us. Now you're thinking, are you saying, Pastor, that God never wants to give us what we want? Of course I'm not saying that. God so often blesses us far beyond what we ask and things that are not even necessarily about the kingdom. And the reason is, is because God is good and he just loves to bless. He just cannot help but bless. But that is not what prayer is all about. Of course God wants to bless. And that's what he did for Hannah. Hannah wanted a son for herself. For herself. For herself. After all, she had a reputation to uphold so that she could be like every other woman in Israel who's blessed by God. This was not an illegitimate or immoral desire. It wasn't a bad desire. It just wasn't the way God's desire was outlined for her life. Now, she did give birth to the great prophet and judge Samuel, and God's desire for her cost her plenty. Cost her plenty. You think she was in agony before she had a son, when she was being ridiculed and harassed and and teased by the other wife and people around, and just knowing living under the fact of being barren was like a curse. Agony she went through. But when she took little Samuel to the temple after he was weaned and handed him over to the priest, think of the anguish as she was weaning him and counting down the days that, he, that soon he wouldn't be in her arms. Did he cry as she left him there with a the priest? Did he hold out his arms towards her as she was about to leave? Her husband holding her grief-stricken in his arms. It cost her plenty. 
in desperate prayer, little happens until you get past full surrender and counting the cost. It will cost you something. It may cost you in time. It may cost you in money. It may cost you in career. It may cost you in reputation or relationships with family, colleagues, friends, etc. It may cost your dreams, your ambitions, your life of ease, loss of sleep as you get up early to pray. God may want you to remain single or childless or go through persecution or responsibility or pressures, all kinds of things. But generally speaking, the bigger the prize you so desperately pray for, the greater the cost. But Jesus said, in losing our life, we find it. Until we come out of our desperate prayer closet in full surrender... Willing to die to self, the next prayer, which is warfare prayer, will be of little value to you. It is only those who are willing to pick up their cross who can truly pray such prayers because those are the ones who will do whatever the master bids them to do because they've already died to self. Many of you no doubt remember it. You either saw or maybe you viewed it here when we showed the... uh, the movie last, not this past New Year's Eve, but the one before. And it showed this uh, lady as she had her prayer room, her war room. As she committed to pray. And he really talked about these whole same principles of a surrendered life. It's a surrendered life that can enter into warfare prayer. A great film, if you haven't seen it, a great encouragement to you and Scripture says, we have weapons with which we have to engage the enemy. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 says, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17 says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Paul here is telling us, to not only put on the defensive armor, but also the offensive weapons that are clearly linked with prayer. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 tells us, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, and there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and the way, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down, it was completely calm, and he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? So here we see a story where Jesus has just rebuked the elements, And then he turns to his disciples and basically rebukes them for their lack of faith. Now, friends, wouldn't you have been afraid as well? Wouldn't you have been petrified as you thought your life was ending? What did faith have to do with this? Romans chapter 10, 17 says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, understanding the grammatical construction of this verse, we have to realize that when... It is talking, yes, the context here is talking about saving faith. And remember when you came to faith, as Pastor Roger reminded us earlier, 
when you came to faith in Christ and you were convicted as the word of God was preached or shared with you in whatever measure, and remember the conviction of the Holy Spirit that made that word real and alive to you, revealing your sinful condition. Here it says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing through a word of Christ. The rhema word and not the logos. There's a quickened word that comes to your spirit that we respond to. Like in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when the apostles heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? As they wondered, what do they need to do for salvation? As the word, they said, pricked them in their heart. Or there was something that came alive in them. There was a living word that touched them. Friends, salvation is not just some intellectual decision that one day you decide to do on your own. But God actually speaks to us and draws us to him. It isn't just when we are saved that he speaks to us, though. He continues to want to speak to us. Now, there are some who cessationists who believe that God only spoke once in the word, and that's it. He's silent. Friend, I am so grateful. I'm so thankful to encourage you and say, we can have an up-to-date living relationship with a God who communicates with his people. Yes, he speaks through his word. Yes, he speaks through his Holy Spirit. Yes, he speaks through prophetic words, through other believers to us and to our own selves as we listen to him in prayer. Luke 24, verse 32 says, They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us? God was speaking to them while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. They were walking on the road to Emmaus. And just after Christ's resurrection, when Jesus appeared to them and began to walk with them, And they invited him into the house to have something to eat. And as he sat and broke bread with them, they all of a sudden realized who this was. And then he disappears from them. And they realize that their hearts have been burning within them as he shared with them. He was speaking to them. We read in Revelation how God is speaking to the seven churches. Friends, he's still speaking. Are we listening? And after each message to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, he says, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. He expects us to hear him. Friends, God expects you to listen and hear him. It's not a game of hide and seek. He wants you to hear him. Jesus also said, My sheep hear my voice and follow me. Matthew 4, 4 says, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word, rhema, That comes from the mouth of God. Hearing a word from Christ opens up the potential for faith to be activated in our life. It is when you hear a word from God and there's something quickened to you. That it activates the faith in your life to believe God for that which he's saying. And to respond accordingly. This is what Jesus took issue with with his disciples in the boat. He had already given his word that they were going to the other side. He said, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. He didn't say, let's get in the boat and drown halfway. He said, let's go to the other side. So Jesus rebukes them because they didn't act on his word. Jesus said in John 12, 49, I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say, commanded me what to say and how to say it. John 5.19, the Son can do nothing by himself because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Jesus expects us to follow his example. He set the example. They were told that they were going to the other side, so they should have acted accordingly. 
If you're facing a big obstacle in life, the first thing you need is a word from God regarding the situation if you don't know what his will already is. And friends, we already know a lot of things that are God's will. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's God's will. We know that in Scripture. There's many things we know is God's will. But if there's something you don't know for sure is God's will, then you need to spend some time in prayer and listen and hear from God as to what his will is in that circumstance and situation. Once you hear what his will is, then respond and act with the faith that he's putting in your spirit and heart because you just heard a word from him. And as we face these obstacles, we need a word from God. Sometimes we already know what his will is. Once we know, we need to go to warfare prayer. If he says you're going to go to the other side, he'll get you there. If he says that you'll get to the other side of your problem, then he expects you to get to the other side of your problem. Now, didn't the Lord say he would never leave us or forsake us? Why do we, myself included, spend so much time wringing our hands wondering if he's with us? He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said, call upon me and I will answer. There's so many promises we have in the word of God. And the enemy comes and wants to steal all those and give us a replacement that is not true. It all starts with a word from God. If we can't hear God, friends, we cannot have a faith that does great exploits for God. I just want to tell you now, we cannot do it on our own drumming up imagination. We can't accomplish it that way. We need to hear from God. Once we have a word from him, then he expects us to respond with faith and do something with that word. The disciples were supposed to do exactly what Jesus ended up doing. Take authority over the situation, speak to it. They were to speak to the wind and the waves. He'd already told them that he'd given them power and authority. He'd already commissioned them. Mark eleven twenty two says, Have faith in God, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Now, is he saying that we should go out and remove the Rockies? No. Is he saying that we should go out and change the weather? Not necessarily. I mean, even the prophet in the Old Testament, when he caused it not to rain and to rain, he did it in response to a word from God. It was always in a response from a word from God. He's talking here about the authorities, and often the authorities are demonic forces in heavenly realms. He's saying, have faith in what God is saying to you, and if you believe, then act on that faith. Is God asking you, as a surrendered believer in Jesus Christ, fully and wholly surrendered to him, to enter into warfare prayer and come against the the principalities and powers and wickedness in high places, is God speaking the word to you about some particular situation? Then you take authority over that circumstance and situation. Speak out to that situation, that mountain in prayer. This is what Paul was speaking about in Ephesians 6.17. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is a word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
Here again is this grammatical construction. Is it word a word, not just the word? It's the rhema word, not just the logos. It's a word quickened by the Spirit of God to you. And Paul is encouraging us to partner with God. Scripture says, with God, all things are possible to them that believe. This is not encouraging us to go out and speak to the weather to become 30 degrees because we want a suntan. That's goofy. It has nothing to do with the glad, nothing to do with the glory of God, advancing the kingdom of God according to his will. Friends, we do not determine God's strategy and plans. He does. And he's constantly speaking through scripture and by his spirit. We just need to act on his word. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and to empower us to do the same. 1 John 3, 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the, the devil's work. Luke ten seventeen. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He rejoiced. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Friends, faith is not something you work up on your own. Now I have faith. Not like pumping up an air mattress. It's not like we work this thing up. We just sing this song just the right amount of time to get the right beat into this thing. Then faith is going to... Friends. Now if in the songs you're responding to a word from God or God's Spirit is speaking to you that ignites your faith, so be it. But faith isn't something we just pump up on our own. God gives a word and that is what our faith is built on. That energizes our faith. There's too many Christians who want to bypass the first part of prayer, which is surrendered prayer, the crucible, refining fire in their life, and full-out surrender to hearing God's voice. And they want to directly go to warfare prayer. I think sometimes they end up as casualties like the sons of Sceva, who said, that looks really good. Maybe we can do that same thing. And the enemy said, you know, Paul I know, Peter I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? And basically kick their butts. We want to bypass surrendered prayer and go right to warfare prayer and wonder why we don't see things happening that God wants to do. Friends, there's no resurrection without the cross. There's no victory without death to self. And we need to get hold of God in prayer and see what he's doing. Surrender fully to him. Align ourselves with his strategy and pray God-sized prayers. And fight in warfare against the enemy. Friends, you're little. Now I lay me down to sleep. God, I pray my soul to keep isn't going to cut it in the realm of spiritual warfare. There needs to be the surrendered life that comes to God and then says, God, whatever your will is, and then engage in spiritual warfare as he gives you a word for that circumstance and that situation. God's word to us has the power to change the situation. Not our words. God's word. Isaiah fifty-five eleven says, So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purposes for which I sent it. Friends, 
That's our birthright. That's our birthright. This is part of resisting the enemy. Some things we know are God's will from Scripture, but remember, it takes a life of a surrendered person, a wholly surrendered person to God. Now, I understand there are times when a new believer or a child who just come to faith in Christ and so new, and they just ask something simple from God, and poof, God does it. And you stand there scratching your head. How did that happen? We serve an amazing, great, good, big God. And it's amazing how that grows and builds a person's, person's faith to trust him. But friends, I'm talking here to believers. People have walked with God for some time. In preparation and praying, it's amazing how, how God was speaking to me over and over again saying, listen to that, Roy, read that again. And in so doing, it's, it's all, it was almost like there was this Fresh manna revelation to my own spirit. And it was like God was saying to me, and so I'll share it with you. And God was saying, when, when I show you something, don't just wait for it to appear, but bring it into being through sacrifice, warfare prayer, the hard work of the strategy of God as you listen in prayer. God says, I I didn't tell you to run off and try to make it happen in your own strength. But I didn't tell you to just sit there on your duffer and wait for it to appear magically in the sky. It seemed like God was chastising me, chastising me and challenging me and saying too often we or someone says we got a prophetic word that God is going to do something amazing maybe you've had a prophetic word in your life at some point that God was going to do something he was going to do something incredible maybe even what it was or or just you know something encouraging to you and the question then from the Lord would be What are you doing about it? If he's given you or me a prophetic word, then what are you doing about it? Well, we answer, we're waiting. As great kids, we're just waiting. It almost seemed to me as God was speaking, saying to me, get up, fully surrender. Be willing to pay the price to hear my strategy and my word. Call out to me in prayer. Fight against the enemy's schemes and the enemy's strategies and assignments. Breaking them in Jesus' name. Thanking God by faith for what you don't yet see. Praying it and following God's directions. In your home, your family, your business, your church, your extended family. Maybe you need to get up early and pray. Full surrender and full on warfare prayer. Nothing less. Let me use an example from Scripture. 
God had a conversation with Hezekiah one day that he had to set his house in order because he's going to die. Notice his desperate prayer in 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 2. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And he had. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. God's response was, he added 15 years to his life. Just gave him another 15 years. Same chapter. Hezekiah shows some Babylonian representatives all of his personal treasures. Isaiah the prophet comes to him and gives him a word from God and says, what have you done? And so he says, I showed, yeah, I showed them all my treasures. So the prophet tells him that his own flesh and blood would someday be taken captive into Babylon. Notice his response. Same chapter, verse 19. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good. For he thought, will there not be peace and security in my lifetime? Can you believe it? No desperation. No prayer. Because it doesn't affect him directly. Praised like crazy for his own health. God gives it to him. Something's going to happen to the next generation. And he thinks, well... At least it isn't in my lifetime. Whoa. How many people today are hoping to just get by? Like Hezekiah. I got fire insurance. I know Jesus. Just going to get by. That explains why the average North American Christian prays an average of only 10 minutes a day. So take three meals. That's only three days a year. What would it be like, friends, if mothers got together during the week to pray for their children in school and for the education system? What would it be like if marketplace leaders got to their office early to war in prayer for their employees and for God's strategy for their business? What would it be like if teachers arrived early to war in prayer for their students within the system? What would happen if doctors and healthcare workers arrived early and prayed for their patients and the healthcare system? What would happen if seniors got together to war in prayer for their children and their grandchildren and their neighbor's children? What would happen if pastors got up early to war in prayer for their congregation, for God's strategy and plans in reaching their communities? What would happen if congregation members got together regularly to war in prayer for fellow members and for the lost of our community? What would happen? It'd be different. Friends, as I conclude, let me tell you what I believe. I believe that God is calling this generation to rise up. To first fall on our face in full surrender to God. Saying, I'll pay whatever the price 
I'll rise up and say, God, I will war in prayer until I hear from heaven. I will push back the storms and clouds that are covering our land, our families, our churches. God, I'm going to pray that you come in power and move back the enemy. And I'm going to resist him in Jesus' name. We need to war in prayer for marriages, families, churches, community, country, governments, leaders, parents, children, neighbors, one another, people we don't like, people we like, people we don't associate with, people we do. We are called to pray for all people everywhere, lifting up what kind of hands? Holy hands. God, help us to be desperate like Hannah. Willing to pay the price. Willing to wholeheartedly surrender to God, whatever that is. That we might enter into warfare prayer. That ignites faith within our hearts. And we see, by the power of God working in and through us, what Jesus said you could do. Father, I thank you. This is not my word, it's yours. Not my idea, not my plan, not my purpose in myself, but it's yours. And God, you are calling a people to wholehearted surrender. That you indeed would be the center of our life as we sang earlier. That you indeed would be the focus. God, this morning I'm asking there will be people in this room who would respond to the call of the Holy Spirit. Say, yes, I'm willing to wholeheartedly surrender to pay the price. Spend time in prayer. Commit myself to you and to your purposes and your plans. Allow you to speak to me that I might respond in warfare prayer. That we might see the hand of God among the land of the living. God, I pray that we respond to your call and your Holy Spirit this morning. And friends, as we just pause for a moment and and say, Lord, will you speak to my heart? The worship team is going to come and lead us in that song softly again, Jesus be the center. And as they sing it, and as you hear the Spirit of God speaking to you, saying, today's the day. I want you to totally be sold out and committed to me. It's not enough. Go to church one hour on Sunday. It's not enough. The few minutes here, the few minutes there. I want your whole life. I want your life totally surrendered to me to respond to my plans and my purposes for your life. I want you to be willing to pay the price to pray for this generation and the next generation. 
pouring out of God's Holy Spirit upon our land. And to pray as He directs you to pray. To enter into warfare prayer as you come wholeheartedly to Him. And friends, I believe that as we respond to God, there'll be no greater satisfaction in life than seeing things birthed in the Spirit and then seeing them with our eyes as God responds to the faith of His people. As we sing this song, and if God's speaking to you and saying, yes, I want you to wholeheartedly give your life, maybe it's to begin and say, I give my life to Jesus. And I ask him to fill me with the Holy Spirit and and forgive me of my sin and my selfishness and my self-centered living. God, I want you to direct my life wholeheartedly. I give my life afresh and new to you. I'm willing to pay the price. I need a word from you, oh God. Help me today. Bless you, I want you to stand where you are as we sing this song. And respond in prayer to Him. I want Him to be the center of my life. Oh, yes, oh God. Yes, Lord, we do. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, oh God, hallelujah. Jesus, and nothing else matters. Oh, yes, oh God, hallelujah. Nothing in this world will do.
I think of my brother and my friend David goes to Albania there marries Valbona who just had a birthday I think I don't think he knew the price he was going to have to pay to serve God in that nation that was so anti-God had to return, to return to Canada because of threats upon his life and the lives of his family members and yet still regularly goes back to Albania bless you David and family we don't always know what it'll be we may we may lose a friend because they're not on the same page as we are in our relationship with Jesus Christ that friendship may not be what it was before because we've determined to follow Jesus and nobody else as a young person, a student you may face certain harassment because you stand up for your faith and you stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's directing you to do but I want to tell you there's no greater reward there's no greater place to be the very center of the will of God for your life he'll make it up to you as he did to Hannah because God gave her more sons and more daughters and you can read the story he'll never leave you short never Father I thank you for every person standing you know exactly what that means God, I pray you'll develop within each one of us and within our body of people an army committed to wholeheartedly serving you and responding to your word and your direction and your plans and your purposes and that word placed within our spirit that ignites our faith to enter into that warfare prayer knowing that you, O God, have given us the authority and the power in the name of Jesus to respond to the schemes of the enemy and to pull down every stronghold and every vain imagination that exalts itself against the name of Jesus Christ and to see your name glorified and your plans and purposes fulfilled the hearts and lives of our family and friends and colleagues, neighbors our country and around the world God, I pray you'd infuse each one of us with your determination and our will combined with yours that, Lord, we will follow you with all of our heart. I ask your blessing upon every person's resolve and desire here today. And may you undergird every person. Now come against the lies and the schemes of the enemy that would try to discourage them even on their journey home. Try to let them know that that's just some emotional appeal you did. It means nothing. But God, as we make a vow to you today, we thank you for your enabling power and spirit. Energizes us with your power. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Don't forget, if you want to fill out a prayer request, you can put it there. Wednesday night, you can join us for prayer. And was there...
youth? Did you want to meet with the youth? Girls, if you want to attend a girls' life group, you want to talk, come and talk to Megan before you leave. And uh, Hudson, talk to me. Talk to us. So, um, uh, with this new year, we've kind of reevaluated youth group and we've kind of brought it back to our core and our mission statement and being the light of the world. And um, I think the first four months of youth, we really, as leaders, uh, were discovering ourselves. And um, we realized that we can have, you know, the best kind of structure or, you know, the best kind of prizes or themes or whatever. But at the end of the day, uh, if we don't pay attention to the kids and we don't love them and train them how to be the light, um, it's kind of all for nothing. And so we've really brought it back down to its, uh, its basis in our heart. And uh, we're really, really excited with this year. We're kind of starting anew and starting strong. And um, this Friday, we're going to be having um, a youth, another youth-run service. But we got a lot of awesome things planned. It's going to be five dollars uh, for pizza. And so, if you don't bring five dollars, um, you won't get pizza. But you still can come in. Um, this isn't limited to any ages. So, if there's any parents that are like, "Hey, you know, what am I sending my kids to every Friday?" You're more than welcome to come and hang out and watch. Um, bring your friends. It's going to be an awesome, awesome night. And then. And uh, this is going to be, we're going to be doing our service upstairs for the first time, um, just because it's a little more close and personal, and um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then uh, the following week on the 3rd, February 3rd, we're going to uh, the 403 rally, which is a gathering of all the, it was originally a gathering of all the PAOC churches, and then um, the guy who runs it now, James, a good friend of mine, he's kind of like, he, um, when he took it over, he realized, um, he said to me, you know, this generation uh, of kids, they don't really care about denomination. And so you know what? This doesn't have to be a POC thing. If you love Christ or you want to have a relationship with him, you want to make an impact, um, come out to this. And so now it's just a gathering of all these young Christians, high school kids, and uh, it's going to be awesome. What they do is they separate kids in their high schools, and um, his heart behind it is, he, re- he said... You know, I'm going to high school. You can feel really alone uh, as a Christian. And so what they do is they separate you in your high school. And they say, look at all the Christians that are in your high school. And then from there they say, you know, how can we make an impact? And it's just going to be a really awesome night. But yeah, that's in two weeks. This Friday, it's $5. Anyone can come and it's going to be awesome. Uh, no, just, just don't run off yet. Just, okay. one, just one second here. Now, let me get wired up. You know, just because you're not a young person doesn't mean that you're not involved. If there's a generation that ever needed prayer besides our own, is this next generation. And Hudson and company, come on, come on, Peter. And youth, by the way, yeah, I know you're supposed to bring five bucks for pizza, but every time you come, you should bring an offering. Every time you come, you should bring an offering. Because you love Jesus, and you don't want these guys to be carrying the bill all the time. Anyway, I want us to pray for these representatives of leaders among our youth in the northwest part of our city. You know, they need to have some folks holding up their hands. So I want some adults to come, and I want you to hold up their hands. Literally, come, come up here. What are you waiting for? Come up here. Hold their hands in the air. 
symbolic that not only are we going to pray now and thank you Leona and Barry and others who are coming and let's just all stand for a moment and stretch our hands towards them as they represent a number of different leaders from different denominations and churches and and I want us to commit to praying for them and what God wants to do in our youth and young adults. Father, as we stand here today, and we know that the heart of our youth and representatives here this morning, that their heart is for you, O oh God, and that your spirit would touch this next generation in a way that would transform everything they do, everything they say, the aspirations and directions of their life, the influences that they have, and will bring about change within our country, in our communities, our homes, our families, our churches, by the power of God. And so, Father, we ask for a freshness, an anointing. A, Lord, give them the ability to hear you and give them a heart, O oh God, to spend that time with you, Lord, to seek your face and to know exactly what you want to transmit every time these youth come together. Father, bless them, anoint them, strengthen them, Lord. Put your spirit in them in an abundant way. And we declare it in the name of Jesus for the glory of God and the edification of the saints and the salvation of youth. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless your crew.